Hi, everyone, and welcome to Metaphysical. In part one of our last episode, we talked about deep sea cryptids, underwater structures, ancient civilizations, and lost history. Today, in part two, we're going to deep dive into the craziest stories we found about the weirdness in the water on the interwebs. How deep does the mermaid culture really go? And why are haunted houses typically near a lake? Join remote viewer John Vivanco and me, investigative researcher Rob Counts, for a show that's out of this world. Are you listening to the Metaphysical Podcast or watching us on a video platform? If so, leave us a five-star rating and review to help us reach even more people. And make sure you also like and subscribe wherever you're watching us. Thank you, guys. John, how are you? Good. I'm good. Man, love what this show. You, you said something about how deep does mermaid culture go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how deep in the seas, John? Probably very deep, actually, if they're hiding from us from this long. Actually, I mean, mermaids are weird. They're weird. They I mean, can be. I, I remember when we were remote viewing Atlantis, stuff around Atlantis, and they were kind of like reverse mermaids. Where yeah, the it was fish like, head and the feet body. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. That, that was unexpected to me. Yeah. Hieronymus Bosch. Actually, there's all types, from what I've researched, all types of these types of weird, strange beings. I don't know. It almost feels like this planet was just a gigantic experiment, like we're living on a Petri dish and we have been for millions of years or something. I mean, totally, man. Yeah. So much genetic engineering and weirdness. I mean, heck, like even when we've looked at plants, like like origination of specific plants and even mushrooms and stuff, they don't come from this planet. Yeah. Like even like, in, in that kingdom, it's like, like the Venus flytrap, dude. Oh my, yeah, really. The Venus flytrap is almost as weird as mermaids look. Right. <laughs> yeah, man, what is it about mermaids? Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't like that picture of that mermaid I at all. I thought mermaids <laughs> were supposed to be really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, where's my, where, you know, where's this like beautiful mermaid? I mean, gosh, what was a, I always got freaked out by this one episode of DuckTales when I was a kid. You know, the <laughs> DuckTales. Dude, I used to watch DuckTales and there was this one episode where Scrooge and the boys were like out at sea and these sirens were trying to att attract them in. And there were these beautiful sirens. And then all of a sudden this big monster came up that they were attached to and tr like tried to eat the boat. And man, that was terrifying. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I remember like watching Sigmund and the Sea Monster when I was a kid, and that was like wickedly scary. Yeah. And then the Kraken. I mean, the Kraken is like one of the craziest creatures in the history of our books. And it's like yeah. this, I don't know, like Cthulhu looking thing that just comes out of the sea and destroys worlds. Like it was Zeus's enemy or something in that, you know, story. Well, think about like, like the time when giants were roaming the earth. Could it have been not just humans or these types of beings were giant? It's that everything was giant, you know, um, where Kraken, Kraken ruled the sea. You know, giant Dude. octopus and squid ruled the sea. What is so weird is what you just said is not really that far-fetched when we start. Like, what is the difference between what you just said and us digging up actual dinosaur bones? Right. It's not any different. And yet people somehow are just like, yeah, dinosaurs, widely accepted uh, bones we found of these creatures that used to live in the past, in the ancient past, when the world had more oxygen and blah, blah, all this stuff. And you're like, well, yeah, I mean, it could have been all kinds of things. Right. Who knows yeah. what bones they've hid from us even. Right. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. 
I know. So we we've got I mean, we've got some strange stories and, you know, some of what's weird about these stories that I found. So I found stories on Quora and Board Panda, more obvious places on the Internet that you could find stories. I didn't even go into the YouTube rabbit hole yet just because you and I already have so much stored information around this stuff as it is. I didn't even think we were going to get through it. So this is just us scratching the surface here. But I want to kind of like read a couple of these because I think that I think that they're worth getting out there and us discussing, you know, so I'm going to cherry pick some of these and um, okay. First one we'll start with is this, and this was on Cora.com. What is the strangest unexplainable thing you've seen at sea? So if you do a search for that, right? I once saw what could be called a merman or triton. 40 years ago, I was walking along a cliff top walk near Cal is it Calpe in Spain with family. Someone shouted and we turned to see a man like being leap from the sea like a dolphin about 20 yards away. He was bald on a larger scale than a man and had a gray and, and purple blotches on his skin. He then swam rapidly out to sea, but much faster than a man could swim. We all saw it. Just a strange next morning, we told some other residents from the apartments where we were staying about what we saw. There was a silence, an exchange of looks. Then a rather fat German man who lived there piped up that it was him we had seen going for a morning swim. It was so at odds with the strange being we had witnessed that I wondered, well, anyone who's read H.P. Lovecraft will know what I'm wondering. True story, and I have no explanation. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah, these are the best. See, these are the best stories. Like one thing that I love to do is to collect all of these stories and really dig into specific regions where you find them and then and then start to remote view around them and then head out on expeditions towards those things. Like, 100%. like, like I when you do a search on the internet, you usually find the same story on something over and over and over again. But when you get into forums um, or you look at the comments and YouTube videos, yes. that's when you begin to get the real stuff yes. and you can actually build a big picture of what's going on and like something to do about it, like remote viewing it and then going and trying to capture evidence of it. Because, yeah. you know, all this stuff, it's like, one thing that people don't know, know how to do or don't have the inclination to do is to go out in the field and like, like see if you can capture evidence. I mean, with remote viewing, we've done this so many times where we go out, we, we remote view something, we remote view how we get that evidence. And, you know, even though the evidence is video related or personal experience, we do know that something's there, something's going on. So that's the beauty of this stuff. You know, um, so the very strange being that that guy saw. Have you ever researched um, the re in Papua New Guinea? You know, so I started, re I was doing some research, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> on mermaids. And I found that there is this like redneck mermaid thing down in Papua New Guinea called the re. It's a race of mermaids reportedly they fishermen sell re meat in the like 
farmer market places of of the Papua New Guinea. So they're and hunting them. They're I guess they're catching them when they're out at sea, allegedly, and then they're selling the meat and they look like a really ragged scruffy looking version of the mermaids we've heard in um in like our history like this is not ariel from the little mermaid this is like ariel this is like on, back alley back alley yeah, this is back mermaids. alley ariel on meth yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man well have you heard that one story oh man where did this take place i wish i i can remember this took place somewhere in asia maybe thailand or something where there was this culture uh, old culture of native inhabitants that were living next to this lake, and um, they were doing <clears throat> they were doing a fishing practice using a net, and and they were collecting all the fish, but then they found that their nets were getting cut when they were underwater, and then they they came in contact with these mermaids that were living in the water in that lake. And the mermaids told them that what you're doing is depriving us of our food. And so they had this huge exchange with them. And the mermaid, mer people, taught them how to actually fish the lake in a way that was sustainable, which I thought was a very interesting story. But wow. we had remote viewed that story. I wish I could find it. I can't remember where it comes from. But we had remote viewed that story. And, and it was literally a historical account of 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 these of this tribe of people truly coming into contact with these beings that were living underwater and and made a, a connection with them that didn't break at all and they still have the connection with these beings that live there and that's what we've seen with mer people mer i don't even you can't even call them people mer that they, that there are they are in existence i mean think about the oceans I mean, what and even what's in lakes, man? I won't even go in lakes. Lakes scare me more than the ocean for some reason. Um, but when you get to the ocean, like there's, it's so expansive. There are so many places to hide. As human beings that live here on 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 land, we don't really access much of it. Even when we go out, even people who are very experienced in the ocean, you know, when I was scuba diving all the time, I would only go down to about a hundred feet. Because otherwise I'd have to do, you know, I'd have to decompress, right? So I don't get nitrogen sickness, the bends. Right. And so, like, not much is accessible to us right. as human beings in these bodies of water. All right. So, you know, I don't want to get off this kind of mermaid kick in some of the history around this, because I think a couple of these stories are going to point to other accounts of this that I think you're aware of. So this is, this is, um, on board Panda, okay, this was an article on board Panda. Here's the account. Quote, my dad, who is as rational of a scientist as you can possibly be, has experienced very vivid hallucinations that he truly believed were real at the time. His friend's family had sold a sailboat to a buyer up the eastern seaboard. So my dad and his friend, young amateur sailors, decided to sail the boat up the coast and deliver it. This was in the late 70s or early 80s. So I guess they didn't have the 24-7 crack news team of the Weather Channel telling them what was coming. Apparently, a tropical storm was coming and they had no idea. It caught them when they were some ways from shore with no exact idea of where they were. They had to just ride it out because going inshore in a storm like that was too risky when you didn't know the waters. They didn't sleep for several days while they had 
to fight tooth and nail to keep the boat above water. During that time, my dad says he saw all kinds of, you know what, S-H-I-T, in the ocean. Mermaids, the souls of the damned, you name it, really shows you where all those old sailors' tales come from. But I want to ask you a question, John. Have you ever been sleep-deprived on land? Because I have. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen any weird beings telling you to, like, come over here and slit your wrists or do anything like that? Because I haven't. I haven't. No. So what is the why is the sea so much different than land when you're sleep deprived? Like and are there other accounts of this type of thing happening in the sea? There are many, many, many accounts of this, aren't there? Right. There are. I mean, it's like I mean, it makes me think of the stone tape theory, you know, that that um, the theory that haunted locations that, that have a, what we call residual hauntings versus intelligent hauntings, residual energy. It's like it's like a, a, a tape playing out, showing a scene over and over again or an energy engaging in the same um, act over and over again. Residual hauntings often occur around water, like like bodies of water, whether they're lakes, rivers, whatever, or there's water flowing underground. Um, lots of residual hauntings occur around these places. So the <laughs> the stone tape theory is that that the building has some kind of uh, remembrance in it. It's got the energy. And we you know we find that in remote viewing all the time. Like you can remote view a building and find out all the emotions that are stuck in the structure. And it's like when people read objects as well or haunted items, haunted items are items also that can contain a residual energy of somebody who went through a whole life wearing that thing or something like that, you know, and they carry energy, they hold energy. So then that's the stone tape theory, right? Where it's, it's embedded in the building. But since it's around water, I think there's something else happening. And I think we go back to, um, to Emoto, Masura Emoto, who did the experiments with uh, water and saw how energy can change the crystalline structure of water. And that, that I think water itself is the thing that holds the memory. I think water is something that, well, for one, it conducts electricity, right? And, and, and it, it seems to have a memory, right? Otherwise, why would it do that when Emoto did these experiments? And, and I think that when it's agitated, it can potentially get a, a released. So you're talking about this guy in the story who's on a, on a ship and a storm arrives. Of course, they haven't slept for days, um, which not only will you know, cause weird mental states, it'll also open you up to other, seeing other things a little bit more clearly. Like, you know, then you've got the agitation of the water that is potentially like releasing residual energy of things that happen in the ocean throughout all of time, you know, because they were in the storm. So I, I do, I think that water, water holds a recording, can hold a recording of what happened. You're talking about a big body of water there. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I go down that path. I, I got think there's probably something to it. I do have some stories about this that I'm excited to share with you. Um, but for, for you guys that want more information about this, the episode that we did uh, on the Mary Celeste ship, uh, you know, the story behind that 1899 series that was on Netflix, you should definitely check that out because we get into a lot of bizarre uh, 
ships found at sea with no one on them. No one knows what happened. Mysteries. It's very interesting. So definitely check that out. Um, so, okay. But there are some cultures out there that talk about the same thing that the father had seen on the boat. Right. Right. What, what is like, what, what is the, like, what cult you were telling me something about that earlier. What, what was I telling you? Oh, oh that, what are the, what, what native culture? Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. it native culture? It, this was a native culture in, in Asia, somewhere in Asia. It could have been Thailand or Cambodia or something. And yeah, they had, they had, they had interacted with these beings under the water, these mer, mer people, mer beings that lived in the lake specifically. Um, and, but they're and, trying to trying to entice people to come in and to drown themselves or something. Not in that story. In that story, they're trying to get the, the humans on shore to be able to fish in a way where they're not taking sustainable. All the right. Yeah. From, but from, from what were the now. cultures? What were the cultures that were more that have stories about similar things like sirens and things on the side? The pirates, laddie. <laughs> right. <laughs> That I mean, yeah, like ever since I was a kid, like reading about pirate books, pirate accounts, getting into that whole fantasy, that was the one thing that always stuck to me about mer mer. I don't even. I just go. I just go to mer, and I don't know where to go because mermaids, they're not maids, men, men. They're not. They're just mers, mer homies, mer homies. So, so to me, that that's like in my mind, that's the quintessential mermaid where it's some beautiful maiden that's calling men to drown in the sea but when you get to native native cultures um they talk about these types of beings even living in inland bodies of water like rivers and lakes and i've i've read even more modern accounts of these types of beings that people have seen in rivers that call them calling calling them they see them in the river they try to go after them do you need help what do you need and then all of a sudden it disappears and the person drowns right so there's this whole other aspect to this type of water creature that's um spiritual from the spirit world that has a, a darker aspect or a darker side to them and and that's a lot of what the pirates um in these pirate stories reflect the siren that calls them to sea so they drown. Right. They so he, here's another here's another story that was on uh, Ord Panda. I had a friend who was stranded in a rowboat for a couple of days. He got pretty dehydrated and later told us of these wild hallucinations of beautiful female water spirits encouraging him to join them in the water. It was strange because he was one of those no-nonsense guys who didn't believe in the supernatural, but he said these things were so real to him. Oh, yeah, I believe that's it. freaky. Yeah. Yeah. So he was stranded in a rowboat for a couple of days. Wow. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I there's so many different spiritual entities out there that that are interested in pulling energies, pulling us into our own deaths in some of these situations. I am sure I am sure of it. Mm, I got a couple cool more stories for you, bro. This is this is going to open up a can of worms. <laughs> so this one is from uh, is from Cora. Uh, so this is a Navy guy, I'm pretty sure. So the Navy is full of legends as well as untimely deaths. Many ships are named for a person. Usually that person is dead, but not always. When you have a ship that is named for a dead person, the haunted stuff is bound to pop up. Lore puts it. 
that when a ship is named for a dead sailor, that sailor haunts that ship. It could be a passive thing or something that is actively doing unexplained things. It is also said that sailors that die at sea on that vessel will haunt that vessel. He goes on to tell this crazy story about a ship that was named after someone who hadn't died yet. Okay. One night, something kept being knocked over and they started like it kept happening over and over over a day period. And they they went on watch because it was causing the team a lot of extra work, the crew a lot of extra work. Finally, the captain and his first man, like the first mate or whatever, were the ones that were on watch. And they said that the thing still fell off and they found out that the night that that stuff started happening, the person the boat was named after died. Dude, that's a crazy story. Yeah, <clears throat> that is creepy. That is creepy. Yeah, you're I want your reaction to this because, you know, you know all about these haunted lake houses that are near water. And now we've got a name attached to a boat that's causing some of this. Like, what's going on, John? I, I, I can't even tell you. I mean, like <laughs> when you get to water, man, it's like so, you know, symbolically, water is the subconscious. It's it's the it's the world that we don't always have access to. It's 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 the deep. It's the dark right? It's, it's the place where things lurk in a symbolic way, right? And so the, the, the fact that there's so many weird things around water that we interact with, that, we, that, that come into conscious awareness is so symbolic at the same time, you know? So, so I mean, look at like um, uh, Lake Lanier, Lake Lanier in Georgia, if you've ever heard of that place. So that was a lake, I can't remember, but it might have been the 1940s or 1950s when they decided that the government had decided they were going to flood this big canyon area in Georgia. But the big problem was there's a city there or a, a, right. a town, you know, and, and they basically, you know, evacuated everybody out of there. And, and flooded the thing. So you can go in that lake. And if you scuba dive, you can go swim down the streets of that town. Wow, now, weird. Yeah. It's like, I think there's even traffic lights and, you know, there's stores and all sorts of stuff under that lake. And there's a lot of weird lore. I was working with a producer once who we were working on a bunch of episode ideas. And this was one of the places the producer wanted to go. I, was, I didn't have a lot of interest because it's super duper duper dark. Um, some of the stories around this lake is that people, people camping around the lake, um, for instance, affects children mostly, where children will be called to go to the lake at night to drown themselves. What? Yeah. And, and that, that sometimes, you know, if a parent wakes up, they find the child sleepwalking toward the lake to go into the lake. And then the child has a story of there was something telling me to go in and it was pulling me into the lake, you know? And so this, you know, this producer wanted to go there and like, you know, remote view it and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, okay, we can do it, but that's dark. you like, when we remote view <laughs> dark stuff, we get attacked by the dark stuff. And that's okay. You don't want to do that. Right. So, so we were, were remote viewing it and, it literally has to do with this, like, I don't even know how to call it. It's like some 
some dark energy that's connected to these beings who, who are interested in removing the life of humans that thrive off of some type of destruction and death, right? And so when we viewed it, it was like that, like that, that sort of like, like higher level blanket understanding and data around the energy that pulls people into it, you know? And so that's what I find interesting. Like, I didn't want to go into the specific being or creature that's trying to pull them in because the being or creature can have a paraphysical aspect that could come after us as remote viewers, right? Instead, I wanted to go after like what's happening on the broad level. And, and on the broad level, it is just this, this energetic consciousness construct that, that exists in another realm that, that wants to destroy life, that wants to own part of somebody's life by drawing them into death. But how in the world did that thing attach itself to John? I thought there were only peaches in Georgia. I didn't think there was full there on like in Georgia. They're just not over there at Lake Lanier. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. But, and so, yeah, so like how did this thing attach itself to that situation? That's a bizarre bizarre you gotta wonder you gotta wonder i mean it could be that there was so many emotions upset emotions angry emotions that were attached to the flooding of these because when they flooded that area you're talking about many 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 generations of families that had land there that owned land there that built a, a village or a town there that didn't want to leave so there was a whole lot of controversy around them flooding that area and flooding out these people's livelihoods, their homes that they've had for a very, very long time Lots throughout the generations. So almost so like a curse was put on it's the It's like land. a curse, right. It's like a curse, right. So, so this, imagine this, at any given four-year period what Washington, D.C. is actually like then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's not covered with water yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> But this is the thing with these. I think that there's a lot when there's a lot of negative human focused energy and emotion, anger, tons of anger, and then they flood it with water and water is the conductor of the paranormal in a sense that perhaps these beings can use that as their gateway. Right. If it wasn't flooded with water, that wouldn't probably wouldn't happen. I think there is this construct to water that that can open it, open up the other realm, open up the, the realm to the subconscious world, to the underworld, to darkness in a sense. And I think that's what you find there at Lake Lanier. That's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Well, well check this out. Okay. Um, uh, you know, UFOs, let's get into it a little bit. So this, this same Navy guy has a story just about UFOs. He said, UFO Hell yeah, you better believe it. Best place for UFOs in the world is the Gulf of Mexico. Forget the Bermuda Triangle. I once had a CIC watch officer pull my entire watch team for a debrief, debrief after we got relieved. He emphatically declared that the weird flying objects we saw were F-14s doing air combat maneuvering exercises 
although there was no carrier anywhere in the region and not a Tomcat should have been anywhere close by. This is not to mention that it's at night, they were not on radar, and the movements were not something F-14s were capable of. We had uh, ascertained that these things got up to 75,000 feet by dead reckoning using simple position angles, and F-14 cannot get that high, not even close. But like you said before, what a lead. The Gulf of Mexico is where the craziest UFO stuff is found. I didn't know that. Did you? No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's pretty, it's not a lot of people there. I don't think so in general. Um, so interesting. Um, wait, Gulf of, oh, I'm thinking of Baja. That's not Gulf of Mexico. That's no, the, I think the Gulf of Mexico is. Uh, that's Texas. Yeah, right? that's in the, the area. Florida yeah, kind it, of it. walls it in. Yeah, my the, geography like I, failed. Okay. Me I too. got an F. Okay, so. So um, interesting because it's like it's like this. Think about the, the forget about aliens for a second, and think about like the Navy. All right, so so the U.S. Navy purportedly has a submarine base in Hawthorne, Nevada, right? And the idea that's put forth, I think this came from Lear, John Lear who was a whistleblower. He was like an intelligence. He was in the military and um, he is all over the place of the conspiracy UFO side and stuff. And so he, he made this claim that, that the Navy, he heard that the Navy ha has access to these underwater tunnels. He says the Pacific ocean goes underwater under California and they go under California and enter into a tunnel system that goes up into Nevada. And so they have this, this base in Nevada, right? Okay, but now th there's that idea, possibly, maybe so, but think about this, like 1960s, 1970s, there was a lot of uh, talk around um, drilling, using nuclear power to, to drill into um, making underground bases and stuff like that. Right. A lot of that stuff, like, a lot of that information disappeared from public view because it became, you know, classified. And, and at that time as well, they were, they were also developing underwater systems for mining that were nuclear powered, right? So nuclear powered drills that worked underwater for underwater mining. Mm -hmm. A lot of this stuff became classified, disappeared from public view. Now think about the amount of time and what, um, any military, especially U.S. Navy, can do. So they're going to find a place where you have bedrock. This is how you build an under, underwater base. They're going to find a place where you have bedrock. They're going to drill into it with these nuclear-powered drills, underwater ones that are connected to submarines, whatever. And then they're going to insert cylinders into that, seal the cylinder off, and then blow the water out. And mm -hmm. now you have a location where you can continue to build this under into the bedrock base. You could be, you know, under 600 feet of water. Now think about it. Like you can develop whatever the heck you want to develop there on the technology side. You can, you can underwater drones, you can take Whoa. technology from, from, um, space, um, Roswell or whatever, any, any, any crash UFO, build that technology under under the water now you've got usos unidentified submerged objects right that's the other thing for ufos that go underwater now now you've got 
No way. You've got no Area 51 that people can look at. You've got no problem with satellite, like satellites looking at your stuff. You do everything underwater, which I am absolutely sure exists. You are so hidden from everything that nobody will ever know what kind of technology that you're creating there. Ever. John, where is Area 51? Nevada. Near, near Hawthorne, sort of near Hawthorne. Yeah. So, so I do think, I mean, there's actually a satellite photo. You can find this on the internet of a um, Chinese submarine that is going into an island. Going into an island because they're, the Chinese are doing that. They're drilling into the bedrock and islands and building sub bases inside the, there you go right there inside the island you can see it under the water they're going into it whoa right so think about this 600 feet underwater you could do whatever you want nobody would ever know the most incredible technologies all the usos of the ocean could be advanced military technology how would you get the water out of these bases though what do you think like they'd a, have to pump a, it out a they'd cylinder have to blow that it out pushes it out and keeps it somehow. I don't know. They'd have to fill it with air, you know? I mean, the other thing too, is it constantly need a flow, a circulation of air and stuff. So I don't know how they do it, you know, tubes, pipes. Well, no I mean, it, let's say it's under, it's under a land map. Like, let's say you're right They're They're, it's sort of like they go down in on the side of some land, they plug them in, they're underwater, but then there's a uh, vents at the top that are circulating air. Right, know. unless they've got some machinery, you know, highly advanced machinery to just recycle the air and provide oxygen, which probably exists. I'm sure it does. Mm -hmm. Probably does. But that means, see, when you get to the ocean, it's like, it's like it's a whole world that can't really be explored by us surface dwellers because we just we don't have the capability to do it. But the navies do. The navies do. And they will never tell us what's down there and they can do whatever they want down there. It's insane to think about. Mm. I mean, there's got to be gazillions of bases underwater. I mean, why do them on land when you could just have bases underwater? Totally private. Indeed. Take over the mer population. I don't normally go in into one of these episodes having more questions. I mean, I don't come <laughs> out... <laughs> You know, thinking I'm going to have more questions than I did when I went in, but uh, indeed here I do. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's weird to think about. Well, it's like that other episode with like the Chinese and the Anunnaki. It's like, I mean, literally, I just had to sit there. I couldn't say anything. I just like <laughs> sit there forever, just pondering that idea and like wowing over it. Yeah, yeah, it's this stuff is 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 fascinating. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of stories. I mean, you know, in the, in in Japan, there's a lot of stories about mermaids. They even have some, uh, like, you know, mermaid bones and stuff that they have in some of their. No one recognizes it as being real, but uh, right, right. You know, and and I think it's just I, what I think is interesting too is, you know, you have guys like you, the Greek culture, which is right right by the sea they had dolphins in in their 
in their lore, <laughs> excuse me, so much. The, the evidence of these things goes back pre, like prehistory, pretty much the, these things. And yet we're, we don't recognize them as anything but flights of fancy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's like, it, it's, our, it's, it's like our imagination has been shut down and, and turned off in, in a sense. And, and you have to grow up and you can't be a child anymore. And you have to join the real world and only be a materialist. And you can't explore and, and come up with new ideas about things. Um, but I, I don't, I've never lived in that world that others lived in. That others yeah. lived in. Never have, ever. Right. I'm, always, I'm always the crazy uncle. Embarrassing, <laughs> embarrassing myself at Thanksgiving after couple glasses of wine you know it's like <laughs> it's like well i'll tell you about this and then everybody's like all right let's just <laughs> uncle john speaking again exactly i'd huddle around the table and exactly man it's just like have fun with it right. it's fun it's all in fun exploration right should be yeah all right here's here's a here's a cool story and then we can start to wrap this up so we were we were out at night once with our lights off because we were admiring a field of bioluminescent stuff that was just stretching for miles around us. Really freaky looking, but neat. Right up until a shadow twice the size of our boat started coming right towards us. That's the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's some really, really, really big things under the ocean. I've seen it, you know, I've seen big things scuba diving off the California coast um, where in La Jolla, for instance, you've got like, you know, 30 feet of water, 40, 50 feet of water. Then all of a sudden it plunges into this Canyon to like 600 feet or so. And I've been scuba diving. Oh, like not deep in the Canyon, but just through over it kind of. And I've come across bat rays like that are bigger than me. Wait, wait, like, like stingrays or they're, they're bat rays. They're like stingrays, except they're massive. And these things were massive. They were like twice the size of me. So, so the amount that, you know, I can imagine that there would be something normal, seemingly normal, natural that does occur that these people would see under their boat that wouldn't necessarily be a danger, uh, but something that just lives there. Hmm. So I have a couple of questions for you. Have you ever been tasked or have you guys ever looked at whether or not there are like megalodons in the ocean? These are the I, massive sharks. Right. No, I haven't. I it's, it's hard. okay. So like with remote viewing, it can be difficult to try to task on something like that. Unless, unless somebody there's a sighting, unless there's a sighting. Exactly. Unless so we have to find a sighting. a sighting and then you could see whether or not that was accurate or whatever. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so no, we haven't, it, it's like, um, what is that one marsupial in Australia that is supposedly extinct? It's got the really big mouth. that looks like a dog cat kind of thing. What is it called? I know anyway, what you're talking about. Yeah. They supposedly went extinct in the 1930s or called? something. Thylacine or something. Yeah. Thylacine. The thylacine. thylacine. Okay. Supposedly extinct. And I was listening to an account of a guy who was hiking through the Australian outback and came across one of those things. 
And those are the perfect things to task. I don't, yeah, exactly. One of those, their mouths get really, really huge, really big, very strange marsupial. So, so that's what we would need, you know, something, an account somebody had that we can remote view. Um, other than like the pleosaur type, type creature that we find in lakes. Um, I do believe that those still exist from dinosaur times. Yeah. Australia is such a strange, bizarre place. Like actually it's, there's so much we don't even know about India, China, Africa, Australia, right. Right. you know, most of, well, I mean, I shared those photographs with you from a friend of mine of the, the weird dinosaur looking footprints. Yes. And the shoe, like a person's shoe next to it, and it's almost the size of the shoe. It's like dino dinosaurs. There are stories of people coming across dinosaurs in the Australian outback. There are stories of this. They're consistent. Something weird's going on there. We're going to have to do an episode on that, I think. <laughs> We're going to have to go back. We're going to have to go back. We are. And be taken out there so we can find some velociraptors or something and run for our lives. <laughs> you, I was going to say, you can find them. I don't want to <laughs> find those guys. <laughs> okay. So um, I know that a lot of your research has kind of revolved around, well, not a lot, obviously not a lot, but I just, I know you've had accounts where you've been, there are hauntings on lakes, like lakes for, for some reason. And you mentioned this in another episode and it kind of piqued my curiosity where you were talking about how, lakes kind of generate this memory that we were just talking about earlier. And, and so what are some of the more mysterious things that you have encountered in some of that research with these lakes that are, that are haunted where, where too? where can we find them? Like which ones aside from Lanier? Well, I mean, I think that probably any lake, I mean, even around me right here where I am, um, there are these lakes that have legends around them. Hmm. I mean, anytime you find a lake with a weird name like Skookum Lake or Devil's Lake or anything like that, you're, you're going to find weird stuff. So for one thing, you got to look at place names. Like place names. That is a lake. thing. That's a thing. That is a thing. That hmm. is a thing, right? And so, so when you, when you um, find those place names, you begin to find weird stories around these areas, around these lakes. And, and they're usually around lakes, like, you know, Crater Lake, for instance, in, in, in um, uh, Oregon is one creepy, creepy place. Like it's really? creepy. Oh, yeah, it's creepy. And and you feel as though you're being watched the whole time you're there. And you feel as though there's this dark energy that's coming from the lake. Now, when you get to um, some of the stuff like directly around me, there are weird disappearances around some of the lakes where I am. And, and you run into like, I mean, some of the remote viewing data talks about portals, talks about openings to other locations and worlds really? where other beings move in and out of. And, and a lot of them are around lakes. Lakes and rivers especially are, are places of transition. So rivers. Well, wait, what do you mean by that? Places of transition. Meaning that that energy is always changing, like a like um, you will find that where rivers are and communities are, you will have more paranormal phenomena. 
And it's thought that because of the constant changing of energy, it's a transitional type place. And so you'll get portals to other locations in those areas. I mean, this is a, this is a theory, a thought. Not necessarily theory. in the lake, but around the lake. Around the lake or around the, around the rivers that are, um, especially in rivers where they cross. Like Point Pleasant, I do believe, has got an area where there's two rivers crossing. <laughs> the birthplace of Mothman, you mean? Right. Point Pleasant. Right. Right. So the Ohio River is another one, I think, where it crosses. Where does the Ohio River cross? There are these areas where wherever you find big, big uh, crossings of rivers. So you've got that uh, water, which carries uh, like a paranormal type energy with it. And then you have a crossing and you are going to find um, strange phenomena occur in these places. I mean, this is some something that's known by people who research this sort of stuff. So the idea is that any really transitory type place, which would be waterways and whatnot, can have more paranormal phenomena happening to them, even down to human type of transitory places like um, like hotels, for instance, could have shining. More, the shining, for instance, like could have more paranormal phenomena associated with them because that transitory energy is where this stuff often shows up. You want to hear something weird? Yeah. I go, I went to a hotel up in New Hampshire, right near Mount Washington. I walked into the hotel and I was like, this is the shining. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 this is, this is the shining. And I, I go onto my phone and I'm like, where was the shining shot? And it was shot at that hotel. No, it was shot. There was shot in two places, this hotel and another one. This is the Mount Washington hotel. And so the first thing I did was go up to room two, three, seven or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and the couple who's in two, three, seven walks out and they're like, they kind of were like shocked that I was there. I was just like staring just at the room at and, <laughs> and they're like, creepy guy. They're, they're like, why does everyone keep coming up to our room? They said that to me. And I was like, you know what room you're staying in, right? And they were like, no. And I was like, this is room 237. Have you ever seen The Shining? And they were like, yeah. And, and I was like, you know, it was shot here. And they were like, shock. I made friends with them. We were like, we were hanging out like the whole weekend. I was there. It was funny. Oh, that's funny. That's yeah. funny. Well, you know what you got to do when you go to hotels? Like nobody can sleep in hotel beds because of all the embedded energy in the bed. Uh, you know what you have to do? You have to like, you bang the bed, bang it really hard with, you know, your fist, bang, 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 like all over the bed and say, get out, get out, leave, leave. You got to get the energy out. I got that though. And, and my parents thought I was really upset about something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you look like a madman doing it, but <laughs> yeah, man, you got to do it. That's interesting. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll remember that next time I'm at a hotel and I need to get to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to be like, I woke up in the middle of the night. This guy in room 73 was yelling. This weird man. Yeah. He seemed like such a quiet man, but he was yelling and beating his bed at night. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah. So, okay. So these rivers that cross, they, and you know what? I, I couldn't stop thinking about this when you were talking and it's like, Really, you know, why is it such a part of our culture to use holy water to to defend against yeah. the dark arts? Yeah. 
to defend against it. Right. And all it is is blessed water, which is like basically the research that full circle with Dr. Emoto would come right. back to where these things can get charged for better or for worse. Right. And it's a thing, you know, I mean, and of course, like this is a superstition now considered this holy water thing, but is right. it really? I mean, we, we've been using this for thousands of years for a oh, reason. There's definitely something to it. You're blessing it. You're putting the, the, the highest vibrational power into it that you can muster when you do that, you know? So there is, there is something to it. You can charge your water. Like if, you know, get out of polluted water after prayer, right. you can clean water. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not saying drink it, but look at that. All right. We're going to go to Flint, Michigan, and we're going to have Rob drink the water after, <laughs> after I, I clean it. <laughs> <laughs> That is crazy, though. Look at that. It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. But you can charge your own water, you know, just eh, whatever, you know, put put some intent into it. What if I, you know, I get on the water and start beating it and telling it to get out? <laughs> well, that's going to look unhappy then. It's going to do a little sad face. Chris. I, it's like, I come back on screen and there's water all over me. I'm like, it works, I think. I got attacked by the water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you guys, I think we're we're going to wrap this episode up now. Uh, this was a fascinating episode, as was the previous one. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this two-part episode on water, and we barely scratched the surface yet. Um, yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking the story thing needs to come back more, and uh, we're going to have to get into Dogman soon. Uh, I've had it. <laughs> yeah, we've well, got to yeah. talk about it. Yeah, the more you talk about it, the more you attract it, though. You know, that's going to happen. You're going to have Dogman scratching your windows. Uh, he's not going to like that very much. He's yeah. not. I'm not the guy you want to show up at your window, you know, at. Yeah. It's not, not going to yeah. be fun for him. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, I think uh, this was really fun. Lots of interesting stuff and ideas on water. What did you guys think? Please leave a comment below and let us know. And if there's anything that you guys want us to do a show on or you want to know more about, please comment. Let us know what it is, and we'll start looking into it for you guys. Um, yep. Hope you guys thought this was as out of, as out of this world as we did. Uh, John, did you have anything else to, to add here or say to everybody at home? Mm, drink more water. That's good for you. Drink my water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, thanks for being with us and we'll see you next time.